This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Thank you so much for stopping by the War Room. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm loving it, man. We were listening to your story just before we had hit record, and I know that the listeners are in for a treat. So I got to start off by asking something I love asking everyone. First of all, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? I do not. Um, my, uh, my father gave me an incredibly hard time uh, when I came out of school. Uh, I had a master's in finance and marketing, had a, had a bachelor's in marketing, and I said I wanted to be a, a financial advisor. Uh, and he, uh, he was a banker. So he thought financial advisors were all salesmen, which we were. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, I came, I come from a family where safety, uh, and, and benefits, uh, are extremely important. Um, so, you know, I had to learn a lot about the whole entrepreneurial mindset very much on my own, uh, with lots of people telling me, uh, how, how, how dangerous <laughs> what I was doing coming out of school was. That's really interesting because anybody who's been in business long enough knows that like sales is like the life blood of a business. And then you're in finance. How does that relationship work? Did you struggle with that relationship stepping into that world as a professor, you know, marketing, finance, all that involves sales. Did you struggle with that at all? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, back when I started as a financial advisor, so that was pretty much um, almost a hundred percent commission based this is back when, you know, for the for the for the millennials and Generation Z who are listening to this podcast, we had something called a phone book uh, and you'd go into this phone book uh, and and call random people uh, to ask them um, if they wanted your sage financial advice, uh, you know, at the at the at the unbelievable age of 23. Uh, and so it, it, it took a lot of getting used to. But I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, you do two things. You know, first you develop your own niche market because you know the phone book's large, even here in the in the beautiful state of Delaware, uh, and and you also get really good with figuring ways to solve problems that are different than what other people are doing. So for me, that was doing seminars, uh, and in doing seminars out of desperation to not starve, um, it taught me almost everything I needed to know about entrepreneurship, about figuring out target markets, about relating to people, about public speaking. Um, so it ended up being, you know, a saving grace uh, and ended up being, you know, for my own kids, I think getting into sales and financial sales is a great first job to learn anything that you want to know about human behavior, about grit, about determination. So I I, I, I didn't love it at the time, right? Um, <laughs> as, as I was, uh, my, my, my apartment was just basically cans of tuna. Uh, and copies of Boiler Room, uh, Wall Street, and Glengarry Glen Ross, uh, and just watch those over and over and over again, and eat tuna because uh, that's all I could afford. Um, but but now looking back on my life, uh, that was unbelievably beneficial to me. 
Yeah, you were leveling uh, it up. At least you had tuna, <laughs> not ramen. Yeah. We, it, hey, look, at the, University, at the University of Delaware, we got enough ramen. Like, I was all yeah. ramen at that point. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. No, I get it. Let alone the sodium content. That's, that's yeah. heavy, man. That, that wasn't a uh, thing in the 90s. That wasn't a thing. <laughs> but food didn't have as much salt back then. Got it. Right. It's funny. You know, you, you, you're you in an uh, interesting position uh, with your experience of like having done seminars before they were really webinars, which is what everybody knows today, right? Yeah. So people actually had to go out of their way, invite people, convince people to show up, right? Which is like time consuming and a big investment just showing up and you were able to do that do you find that now having tools to conduct webinars you know funnels to pull people through do you find that those things actually do help people who know how to use them uh, as opposed to people who you know they're like trying to figure it out and that actually only gets in the way do you, do you find that there are some things that like people who are only starting with this information from today and not having had that grounds uh, boots on the ground experience are struggling with understanding what the tools are supposed to represent i think that I would agree with that. I think a lot of people who do very well um, with webinars who are, let's say, uh, you know, digital natives, they've kind of grown up with the internet. I would say that a large majority of them have some sort of a mentor who's maybe a little bit older. And and the reason for that is we, we have all these great tools, but the supply of people who are getting into the business is much greater than the demand. So how do you actually set yourself apart from everyone else so that they tune into your webinar versus the other 75,000 webinars uh, that are available, most of which, by, by the way, they're for free, let alone being paid for. Um, so I think there's some really basic components that we learned before we had online seminars um, that we bring into webinars. A lot of that is getting a lot of information up front. Um, the fact that webinars, for the most part, you know, with the exception of having a basic you know, $70 a month Zoom membership, for the, for the most part, very low cost or free. Um, you know, back in the 90s, when we do the seminars, you were buying steak for everybody, like at a local <laughs> local restaurant. <laughs> so if they so if they didn't show up, you had to, no pun intended, you just had to eat that cost. Um, so we've spent much more time in preparation, much more time in confirming appointments, much more time in understanding what the person was coming there for, uh, and much more time uh, in just making sure that they had a very solid why, to quote Simon Sinek, um, for coming. Um, and I think oftentimes a, a younger person in the business, whether that's by age or by tenure uh, in doing webinars, they don't go through all that planning and preparation because they just don't have as much skin in the game. It's basic human psychology. Um, so I think to, to start out in that type of field, um, it really did me a good service and, and a good stead moving forward as I've done more things online. Got it. Okay. Now I, I want to piece some things together here based on what I've learned so far, just about you and what's going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I know for a fact, uh, based on what we talked about before we hit record, you're currently still a professor in alt finance, right? You've got uh, what I understand to be a, a marketing uh, agency also as well that you run. Is this accurate? So, and um, and definitely um, at Ivy League schools, they want you to be very specific. Uh, I'm I'm basically a director. 
um, at uh, at Wharton, um, but that's a that's a staff position, not a faculty position, i.e., a professor. Ah. Um, so there, th- it's very important to get that right. Uh, th- so, but also along with that, um, for the last several years, I've done a number of different things. So I run a uh, an LLC uh, called Maverick Class, and Maverick Class does edutainment events. And so one of the things that we do is we produce events for TEDx. Um, so I, I am the organizer of TEDx Wilmington. Uh, TEDx Wilmington is in the top 1% of all TEDx platforms uh, in the country uh, with over 550 talks given and almost 43 million views on YouTube. Um, I'm also an organizer for Startup Grind, uh, which is an entrepreneurial um, fireside chat platform. Uh, And I've also done some events at places like the Firefly Music Festival, where we had an event called Firefly Chats, where we would sit down and talk to some of the people who are performing at the festival. Um, So Maverick Class, basically what we do is um, anything that involves entertainment and education, uh, we will go out and try to put together events where people are informed, they learn things, but they have a good time doing so. Um, and as part of that, I've done some publishing. I've done some um, partnering with a lot of different organizations to do things that revolve around learning and much more nowadays online learning. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So I can see how that carried over from originally seminars. So you're still wrangling people, still educating them, but now with modern technology and helping them understand and navigate the state of the industry today in terms of communication, Absolutely. learning, and education. Wow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> one, and one of the things that you'll notice there in terms of just kind of basic uh, principles of working with large brands, you know, like a TEDx or let us like a startup grind or like a Firefly Music Festival. We try, we can always be nimble in terms of our approach of how we do things. Sometimes large brands, they can't be nimble in terms of how they do things. So a brand like TEDx, you know, you have to follow very specific rules and regulations as it pertains to putting out content. Yes. Um, But for maybe large music festivals or uh, other types of entertainment events, we can provide some level of expertise in how people learn and how to assess what they've learned uh, and how to measure that from a statistics perspective to give really good information back to the company. So we found that online, you can get a lot of really good quantitative data um, by just putting out a survey or looking at clicks or looking at engagement, but it's much harder to get quantitative data that you can take people's stories, their attitudes, their opinions, their interests, and use that for the next event to build those different parts in. So those are some of the things that we try to do and try to add to these events while at the same time educating and entertaining others. Love it. I, but I've just realized I've been dragging the conversation along without letting Jason chime in. And I know he's got questions about this. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Here, here's what I love. I love how, you know, we start in a place, right. And we're doing this functional thing, right. That's, that's just, the thing that's getting us through life. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's an opportunity and it's like, Hmm, I wonder, I wonder if I could do that. And then you leap, right. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh, well, that wasn't that bad. And then it's the next leap and then it's the next leap, the next, next, next. Right. And, and you see this journey happen in almost everybody that, ever gets into any kind of small business, well, any business period, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really cool hearing the progression from uh, ramen to tuna, tuna to steak, (laughs) 
<laughs> so where are we? Are we lo at lobster today? <laughs> you're, 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 you're describing my waistline here. So it's probably like <laughs> Jerry's. Uh, so uh, yeah, that, that, that progression, that progression needs to go back to tuna very quickly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think in a way that, that is interesting. And actually, actually, Jason, that might need to be your TEDx talk. I kind of like yeah, there you, go. Um, <laughs> you can, you can tell like how I'm doing by my, uh, my uh my acme markets bill uh but oh, there you go <laughs> i i think i think that is that is an interesting way to talk about the progression where it's you know you buy you buy the stuff for one dollar at the uh at the harrington market to the university of delaware shout out to ud um then you go to buying all the different tuna there where you're trying to be a little bit more healthy you know despite the sodium content to now you're trying to attract a different type of client, the person who's going to eat steak. Uh, and now with all my kids, basically they eat cereal, uh, right? So I don't know what that says about me um, professionally. But um, I think there is, there is definitely, there has been an evolution to what I've done in one sense. But I think no matter what, what I've done, it's been in the field of education, right? One of, one of the major reasons that I sold my practice when I was 35 to, to get into academia is I found that I really enjoyed helping people who had $5,000 and we helped them go to 10,000 as much as I liked helping people with 5 million and helped them go to 10 million. Um, you know, I craved the relationship and I craved the impact uh, and those different things weren't necessarily impacted by the money I was making. It was more impacted by my relationship with the, with the customers. And I think with education, it's very easy to see the impact at the from the the starting class to the ending class, and I've been lucky enough where I've taught in some way, shape, or form for almost two decades now. Uh, you know, a month will not go by uh, without me hearing from a former student saying that they've used some sort of phrase or some sort of tricks from my class or something, and just say, you know, thank you. You know, twenty years later, like I know I was asleep in your class the whole time I was there, but twenty years later, this is actually relevant to me, right? Um, so. That's that's the best part of any sort of educational entrepreneurial venture um, is really seeing the the impact and seeing the light bulb go on. There's I've, I've said that, you know, as a 46 year old man now, I've always wanted to be in a job that made me feel the same way now as my children felt when they were like two years old and they saw bubbles. Right. You blow bubbles for the kids and like, oh, my God, like, that's awesome. Like, how's like, is it, is it magic? Like, what's going on there? And I always wanted to be in a job or in a profession where I could see the bubbles. I could see the light go on above someone's head and see the excitement and see like, wow, I get it. That, that totally makes sense. I get it now. And that's there are very few businesses in the world that can do that like education can. Oh, man. There's something special about that. We, we've had on this show many a time, uh, in particular, Jason has driven this emphasis of uh, finding ways to remain as you have been when you were a kid, that that curiosity, that openness, that uh, that love in your heart, that love for the day and for every experience being more than just an ordinary everyday go around. And you're right. That is the objective that people are pursuing as entrepreneurs, regardless of industry, is this that's the dragon we chase, if you will, right? Uh, for lack of a better metaphor, that's what we're looking for, that kind of magic dust. And I, I find that, yeah, education really is one of the only ones. And education 
forward slash pretty much any industry, right? Whether it's business right. to business, but uh, business to consumer, tech, uh, health, uh, human resources, all of that. You can forward slash with education and suddenly, boom, just like that, it now becomes one of the highest callings in life, which is uh, teach, learn, learn, teach, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Jason has an entire uh, community of, of, of partners strategically that he's been able to build over time. And that's what we do in the community itself. And it's probably why it drives so much interest, even for the show itself, is that ability to teach, learn, learn, teach. And Jason, I'm sure you got some thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts are always this when it comes to, you know, you're absolutely right, Dan. It's like, that kid, that feeling of when you're a kid, right? And if you can get up every single day, which is, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to wake up every day. When I wake up, I'm up early. I'm a 4 a.m. guy. And I mean, I'm not the guy that kind of just lays there for a while and chills. It's like four o'clock, boom, I'm up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, day. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I'm excited about everything that's going to happen in that day. And as long as you can do that in your life, there's there's not much more you can ask for really is to, to be excited. But I watch my kids, how they wake up and they just wake up and they're going a thousand miles an hour, just like that. And it's just like, okay, I'm not quite there. <laughs> I'm not quite still doing that yet. Still got some creek. I got some creaks and cracks now getting out of bed, yeah. but but uh, but the whole point is to wake up excited and engaged and loving what you do. And and I'll give you an, an example of where that ended for me once. I did 23 years in the military. You only got to do 20, right? And I decided to stay another three because I was still having fun. The day I stopped having fun was the day I retired because mm-hmm. it just wasn't fun anymore, right? So... To me, it's important that you love what you do. Um, and if you you really love what you do and you're passionate about it and you're good at it, world's your oyster. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's one of those interesting pieces that, you know, with my own children, I have six children. Um, so, so much like you, I get up at five, but I definitely need about two shots of espresso to be kind of going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, you know, as, as, you know, as I always tell them, you know, right now you guys have, as I would call it, called bliss on tap, right? You go online, you post a picture of yourself, 300 people like hit a little thumbs up button and you feel good about that. And, and I try to explain to them that, you know, eventually that's going to get old and you have to achieve something. You have to know the difference between activity and achievement and nothing feels as good as achievement feels. Uh, and so, you know, I, I try to set up really small challenges for them to do and things like that, just so they can feel like they achieved in real time, not in <laughs> like TikTok time. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's 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 so important to to, you know, if you're if your mind can conceive it, your body believes it. And so to just jump out of bed, go 100 miles an hour and your body's like, hmm, this guy must be excited. Uh, and that, and that's a great way to start your day. Start with some gratitude, start with some exercise. You know, my wife and I walk our dog, uh, you know, and that, and it's, an, it's incredible how much you, your body can fool your mind <laughs> if you just put it into motion, you know, very early on. Wow. You brought up something so key that, uh, that 
time difference in terms of gratification, right? Where uh, I, I also, I, I was born in 89, right? So giving it away there. And uh, I was able to see the difference between when I was a kid and they told you, go outside, I don't want to see you in the house to, you know, drinking out of a water hose kind of thing, yep. throwing dirt clouds at each other, putting metal poles on the train tracks, all that stuff. And now kids are just with a tablet in front of them all day, every day. You know, I, I'm sure all of us do it for work, but if we had our choice, we'd be anywhere other than in front of a computer. For, uh, and And yet right now they're growing up believing in this, uh, like if I need a post, people should be buying for me, like when they're coming into business early or this or that. But mm. given that I, I don't think I can say the same because I as I was growing up into the professional world, I had all these tools available to me. But I believe that you two are in a particular position where you can you can actually say like there's a time and a place for things and there's a certain distance that you have to travel with time in order for things to pay off. And it's something that Jason and I have a talk about all the time is this long-term thinking and how that works and how that applies in business. And I think that's what you were leading, alluding to with the challenges that you said. It's, it's like, can Absolutely. you go a week without this? Or is, is that is this what you're referring to? Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't click on grit, right? <laughs> like that's, 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 that's grit. That's, click here. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, have grit now. Like that. I mean, that's the impossibility. Uh, and so that those types of things have to be built in. And you know, I remember when I was professor in marketing, we would uh, and the students wouldn't figure this out till later um, because they're very slow on the on the take. But I would I would design different things to interrupt their end of the year presentations. So power would go out. Like a random person would knock on the door, say, "Hey, did you guys like order a pizza?" Uh, you know, people just start going to like coughing fits during the presentations and all that was orchestrated just to see how they dealt with that, that issue. Like in a presentation, they stop, they start whining. Um, one young woman start crying. Like you, you just don't know how you're going to deal with that. Cause you, you can't, you know, and obviously, you know, Jason knows this better than most, you know, being in the military, when you have adversity, you can't go over it, around it, under it, you got to go through it. And and I would rather they go through it in my class and then graduate and say, once they get in the real world, say, well, it's not that bad. At least we met through dance class. Um, so which many of them have which many of them have said. Um, so, yeah, it's a no one understands this more, I promise you, than someone who teaches undergraduate classes at a university. And if you've done that for more than for close to 20 years, you see the evolution or de-evolution uh, of, <laughs> of young people. Uh, in terms of what they will put up with, the amount of imagination they have, what their expectations are. Uh, and so not saying it's all bad, right? You know, all these children are much more intelligent than I am at 21 than I am at 46. I'm just much smarter than they are because I can take less variables and less data and do more with that data and more with those variables. So that's kind of what we have to inter interject into education uh, in the future. Man. I say this almost once a day that there are people out there who have done a lot more with a lot less. And, 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 and it's just a thing that I think really rings true with like, in particular people in my age bracket and like the way they view the world. And, you know, I myself, I'm a victim of that in certain industries, certain areas of my life. And it's something I'm working on. So while the topic is here, if you could leave behind something for young leaders who are still on the fence about, you know, taking risk and what does that mean? Getting into business and things of that nature. What would you say to them, given that all the things that you do, uh, uh, if you had to give them a three-step 
no more than that TED talk or, or what's on my rule number one TED talk kind of experience? Um, it's real, and that's real simple because it's it's what I say to my, especially my 14 year old son uh, all the time. And that's you're going to be older much longer than you're younger. So take take the risks now. Do do it now. You have plenty of time to screw up and make up time. You know, his dad is out here, you know, trying to do some things at the age of 46. You know, Jason mentioned that, you know, he got he spent you know 23 years in the military. He got out, started doing some things. You have time. Like people say life is short. Life is not short. Life is long. Life is long and hard. And so, you know, take those chances. You know, we, you know, people on their deathbed never say, man, I wish I didn't take that chance. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be older much longer than you're younger. So don't, don't look back and regret things. Just go, just do it. Make it happen. I dig it, man. Uh, before I head off to the, to the grand finale, out of uh, save for time. I want to turn over to Jason one more time and make sure he gets his questions and uh, insights. Yeah. You know what I love about life? You can do a lot in it. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot that you can do. And, you know, yes, we're here for a very short amount of time on the evolutional scale, right? Right. But when you think about it, like my grandpa, he he made it to 92, right? Oh. 92. That's a long time. He's seen a lot of stuff in 92 years, right? And he got to do a lot of things in 92 years. So I think it's up to us, right, mm -hmm. to really decide, you know, how are we going to pack our most fulfilled life in, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think at a bare minimum, that's what we need to be teaching our kids, right? Because yep. because the, you know, uh, not to skew too far off, but but the institution that most of us grew up in. We didn't learn we could break those chains until way later in life That's where, true. where now our kids, we have an opportunity to say, look, you don't have to follow that path, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You can do both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can walk in two bubble gum, son, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that's a, a really uh, important lesson to take away from what you just said to tie that into the next lesson, which is probably for another show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so with that said, uh, where would you prefer for people who are listening, who are now engaged and they know all about what you're doing, where you're going with things? Uh, what do you want them to know about your next move and how should they connect with you? Um, well, anybody can reach me on my email, just my personal email. It's just Dr. Dan Young 79 at Gmail. So it's D-R-D-A-N-Y-O-U-N-G 79 at Gmail. Uh, I think more than anything else, and, and we, we, we uh, Jason alluded to it, and we'll definitely talk more about it because I'd love to have him there. Um, I'm always looking for ideas. You know, it's, you know, it's one of the things that you just kind of learn in entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, poor people talk about money, rich people talk about things, wealthy people talk about ideas. Uh, and so I just try to keep the ideas flowing. Uh, and so anyone who wants to be involved in TEDx, wants, has questions about TEDx, is interested in volunteering at TEDx, being a TEDx speaker, uh, just hit me up. And uh, and usually once we talk about that, that leads into everything else, whether that's education or family or professional or what have you. Um, so, yeah, just start to start dialogue with me. I'm, I'm always I'm always open, willing, happy. 
uh, to chat with people and share my experiences. And I love to learn about other people's experiences. That's another great part of working in a university. You, you get to be part of a lot of people's experience. And so I uh, would certainly relish that. Man, right on. And uh, the grand finale, if I may, is uh, it's a question that has never had a wrong answer because there's no such thing. Right. Uh, but what it is, is if you could have taken anyone uh, aside here and brought them onto the, to the podcast today, who would you have loved to have invited and why? Uh, that's easy. Uh, that, that would have been my grandfather. Um, my grandfather was my hero um, as uh, it's kind of like the first generation of, of latchkey kids. Uh, I, I was with him in the morning before I got on the school bus. Um, was with him after um, school until my parents picked me up because they both were working. Uh, he was kind of the first person that I, I ever felt believed in me. Um, you know, he he passed away uh, in twenty in two thousand five, um, and so I would want him here. You know, to to just see that you know his grandson's doing okay. Um, but also, you know, I know he missed out on a lot. He missed out on the births of all of my children. Uh, he missed out on probably the one of the single most emotional moments of my life, um, regardless of, you know, your politics. Um, I remember it was when President Obama got elected or he was announced as the winner. And I was um, kind of holding my daughter, um, who was probably two at that time. Uh, and I just started bawling my eyes out. And it was because... I knew my grandfather was missing that moment in history. He was missing the fact that I had a daughter. He was missing the fact that, you know, I bought a nice house. And so I just, I missed him in that moment. Um, so I would love to just be able to see him and uh, have him know I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's a strong sense of, uh, of family values to, to what you do. And I think that's what makes it so uh, easy for you to be in education. And I say easy, you know, with a grain of salt. What I mean is like, that's why it's so engaging for you is because uh, in order to truly see the the growth in someone and teach them, you do have to almost see them as an extension of the greater family that you have in your life in order to take an investment and an interest in other people. And so I can see how that comes through and probably where your interest in learning and, 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 and teaching came from as well with that dynamic between you and your grandfather. And I hope that we all take away uh, from this call, uh, this podcast, the, the idea of what it means, like what we value, how that has impacted our life and how we've used that to navigate and to remember those who have been there for us when no one else was. I, I love it, man. Thank you so much for stopping by. Those are my closing thoughts and I'll let Jason close us out. Yeah. Wonderful conversation, Dan. Thanks for being here. Uh, you know, I am, I am, I'm always humbled, I guess is probably the best word to use at all the interaction that we've had to, or have gotten to have through I don't know, 120 some of these podcasts over time. And just to know that the world isn't a bad place. There are good people, right? There really are. And, you know, I think it's, it's up to us to make sure we culture that and not let the, not let the news cycle get us down and all these things. There's good people can tell there's lots of goodness in you. You're out there. You're changing the world, my friend. Um, and, and as long, and as long as we're doing it one person at a time, it doesn't matter the how, you know, but Absolutely. hell you're changing them millions at a time for sure. So 
Thanks for taking the time to be here, my friend. Very much appreciated that you took the 30 minutes out of your day to share that story and those great insights with us. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me. Appreciate you. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.